Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. So my great uncle was like my grandfather to me. My great aunt and my great uncle never had children, so I was like their grandson, and he lived into his 90s, and it was uh, one of the great memories of my life, bringing Avery to his house and watching this 90-year-old man get down on his hands and knees and play with her on the floor and kiss her and hug her. Um, It was very special that he was able to see her shortly before she passed. A few years earlier, in his late 80s, I was home from college and I was, uh, excuse me, his mid-80s, I was home from college and was visiting with him, and he, <laughs> he used to keep the, the air extremely high. He would keep it on about 80. And when I was there visiting with him, it was challenging to stay awake. You found yourself often nodding off because of just the heat and the humidity in his den. And so I, I wanted to to be at full alert. I wanted to converse with him, didn't want to fall asleep while I was spending time with him. And I thought I would ask him a series of questions. And so one of them was, when did you become a Christian? I'd never asked. I didn't know. Really didn't know what to expect. Perhaps as a child in the church where he grew up. And he looked at me and he he said, I'm really embarrassed to tell you this. And he said, I was a young adult. And we were living here in Gadsden, my hometown. And I was working at Goodyear. And I had a group of friends that I worked with. And we started doing things and hanging out and spending time together every evening. And that just developed and strengthened, and I was gone all the time. And we were doing things that we shouldn't be doing, really. He said, the the main thing that I was doing wrong is that I was away from my new wife, my great aunt. He said, I was spending all my time late at night with my friends and leaving her home alone constantly. And he said, our marriage was struggling as a result. I was not a good husband. And he said, one evening I came in and I was trying to sneak into the house and sneak into the bedroom without her knowing how late I had been out that evening. And he said, I slowly and gently opened the door and there she was, on her knees, praying for me. And he said, I was taken aback. And she looked at me, and I asked her who she was praying for, and she said that she was praying for my soul. And that she had been doing that every evening for many, many months. And he said, it was in that moment, in that room, that evening, that I experienced the power of prayer in converting souls. 
because I truly believe that I would have continued doing what I was doing if God had not radically turned my heart around through the prayers of my wife. And so we come to 1 Timothy this morning, and in our passage, Paul is talking about the same thing. The power of prayer bringing salvation to all people. That God longs for us to come to Him and to pray for others. Let's pray. Lord God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this message this morning from the Apostle Paul through Your Holy Spirit. May it sink into the very depths of our soul. May it change us. May we have a better understanding of who Your Son, Jesus, is. Father, because of the Word this morning, draw us closer to Yourself and help us to know You on a deeper level. Set me aside, Father, as You speak, for my sins are great. Forgive me. Amen. So there are three things regarding the significance of prayer that we see in 1 Timothy chapter 2. It's the significance of prayer for worship, for Trinity, our church, and for salvation. That's the significance of prayer for worship, Trinity, and salvation. Let's begin by looking just at verse 1 and examining the significance of prayer. And by mentioning supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings, we're not going to get into a scholarly discussion about what all that means. In essence, Paul is saying all kinds of prayers for all people. And so I want us to look at the significance of prayer, all types of prayer, for our worship. What is taking place when we gather together as God's people, when we come into His presence, when we worship Him, when we pray? What is happening? What is taking place? Now, when I was a child and I was growing up in the church, they had what is called intercessory prayer before the sermon. We do this, but one particular pastor where I grew up prayed for a very, very long time. And in my ignorance and immaturity, when we would come to that part in the service, I would just brace myself for this boring time to be over. Because I did not understand what prayer is all about. And so whether you're an adult or whether you're a child here this morning, Paul is telling us that there is something unbelievably important that is transpiring, that is taking place in the act of prayer. So when we lift our voices to Him, the first thing that we need to understand is that we are drawing near to our Holy Father. We are coming near to Him in prayer. He is our Heavenly Father who is, resides in the throne room of heaven. And through the work of the Holy Spirit and, and through prayer, we are approaching Him. That is not something to be taken lightly. This is my great uncle that I mentioned in the beginning. I was home not too many months ago in my hometown. And I was on the side of town where he lived. And I drove by his house. 
I don't know who lives there. But everything in me wanted to go inside. Why? Because I just wanted to see the inside of the home. I wanted to try to be close to him once more. That's how important and how significant he was in my life. That I would, as a grown adult, slow down in front of his house and just think about walking through those doors. And yet here is the high king of heaven saying to us that when we come together as his children through prayer, we come before him. That is a hefty and that is an unbelievable thing to grasp and understand. That our Father loves us so much that through Christ, sinful, broken, and fallen people are allowed into His presence. Secondly, when we come together for prayer as God's people, we are encouraged as we praise Him for all that He has done for us, as we give Him the glory that He so rightly deserves, it aligns our heart with Him. When we praise Him, it gives us a proper perspective of who God is and all that has been accomplished for us. And so we begin to think less and less about the things of this world, the issues of the world, the problems of the world, the things that we're dealing with in life before we walk through the doors of the church. By giving God the glory, we are seeing Him more clearly. And it's getting our heart in the right place. Praising and glorifying our God is an encouragement to our own soul that I know I need every single week when I come to this place. I delight in getting out of my car and walking through those doors because I know that I'm going to be changed. Because I'm going to see Jesus. Because I'm going to approach the Father. And I'm going to lift my voice to Him. Thirdly, when we pray to God, we're relieved. Not only are we drawn known to Him, not only are we encouraged, but we are relieved. Because when we pray to God and we confess our sins, we admit our wrongs, we realize that He is so much greater than us, that He is so much higher than us, we are relieved that we are not captive to these sins. And that we will not be broken forever. And that our fallen condition has been corrected in Christ. Confession brings relief via prayer. Our God speaks to us and He says, your slate is clean. You have been made right. You belong to me. You are my child. Take a deep breath. It's okay. Prayer does that for us. Fourth, we are reminded. We are reminded of who He is and all that He has done for us. And what happens as a result of that? Thanksgiving enters into our soul. Again, 
we often come to this place and we are beat down by the world in which we live. We are weighed down by the problems that we face. We come here with family issues and work issues. Sin is all around us. We are struggling. And when we come before our God in prayer and we are reminded of all that He has done for us, all that He has done for our families, all that He has done for this church, all that He has done for us personally in terms of salvation, in terms of sanctification, in terms of future glorification. When we are reminded of all of these things, suddenly we have a better understanding of all that we should be thankful for. It turns us right side up. It recorrects us. It is always helpful, helpful for me to come before the Lord in prayer with you as a church family because when I am finished praying, I am so grateful and I am so thankful for who He is and every single thing that He has done. And then fifth, we are hopeful. When we draw near to our Heavenly Father, we are encouraged, we are relieved, we are reminded, and we are hopeful. Because we are reminded through prayer that there is a future to come. That this is not all that there is. That we have a hope that the world cannot possibly understand. Proverbs 15.8 The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but He delights, hear this Trinity, he delights in the prayers of the upright. It is not simply a time where you sit and you listen to me pray. It is a dynamic and active and life-changing opportunity to walk before our God and to be encouraged and reminded and strengthened and relieved and set free. That's what prayer does when we come together as a church family. What is the significance of prayer for Trinity? We've talked about the significance of prayer in worship, but what about us as a church family? Well, first of all, prayer is a privilege. It is a real privilege that we get to come to this place as His people, and because of Christ and what He has done for us, we are allowed to enter into that throne room, and we are allowed to offer up our prayers to Him. I have no access to the new King of England. I have no access to the President of the United States. A friend of mine in my hometown was sharing on social media not too long ago about how unbelievably difficult it is just to talk to his state representative. But yet the creator of the universe, the creator of all things, begs you to come. He begs us to come. He is bestowing upon us a beautiful privilege. Why? Because Jesus, our mediator, brings us into the family of God and He is our, we are His children. It's a privilege of belonging to the King. 
What is significant about prayer for Trinity, for this new church? Well, not only is it a privilege for God's children to come before their Father, it's powerful. It's powerful. The history of the redemptive message that we see from the beginning of the Bible to the end is telling us that prayer changes things. Now, in light of the theology that we believe that God is sovereign, that He is in control of all things, it is difficult and mysterious in some sense to understand how our prayers affect change when they are according to His will. But God, who is infinite in His wisdom and in His power, has told us who are finite that it does. And so part of faith is trusting in the message that God tells us. Yes, I know all things. Yes, I'm in control of all things. But you are my child, and I'm telling you, and you can't understand this, but that your prayers matter. They do. And so they are powerful. They accomplish great things. He longs to hear our request. Another significant thing regarding prayer for us as a church family is that prayer is comforting. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Prayer is a means by which our Father in heaven brings comfort to us. As a father, it is rewarding and joyful when my children come to me and they need something. And I listen because I love them. And the Father in heaven longs to listen, to hear, and to help. And so, as an adult... I still get great comfort from talking to my parents and asking things, asking them things and gaining wisdom from them. And so we know what it's like as a child and we also know what it is like as parents. And so it's not an incredible leap or a big step to understand how prayer can be comforting. We're hurt, we're weak, We're questioning, we're scared, we're afraid, we're in need, we have doubts, and we have a loving Heavenly Father who awaits us, who wants to hear from us. We are not an annoyance to Him. It says that He rejoices over us. And so it's great comfort to me to know that I can go to Him. And I can say, here you go, with everything. Prayer unites us. That we are coming together as a church family. That we are entering into the presence of our King. We're doing this in unity. We are doing this together as God's people. And so prayer unites us as a church family. As brothers and sisters in Christ. That we're coming before Him as one. And then prayer 
is a gracious reminder of all that Jesus has done for us. That when we come together as a church family to pray, we pray in the name of Jesus, we pray for His sake, and collectively we come to a deeper understanding of the One who went to the cross for us. Verses 2-4, through four, very briefly. The significance of prayer for salvation. It says that we are to pray for kings and those who are in high positions. In other words, we are to pray for the leadership that God has been placed over us. Why? And Paul is telling us that we do this because we want a good and quiet life. Not so that things will be easy for us, but we learn in verse 4 that the reason for this is so that the gospel can go forth to all people. That this is pleasing to God. So remember, Paul is writing to Timothy, but this is a letter that Timothy is to read to this church plant that Paul established. And so Paul is telling the church plant, and listen, the Roman leaders who were over these people in the early Christian church were no delight at all. They made their lives very hard. But Paul is telling Timothy and he's telling this new church, hey, pray for the leaders who are over you. Pray that you have a peaceful life so that the gospel gospel can be carried forth to all people. And this is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. It is pleasing to Him for us to pray for the salvation of others. It is pleasing to God that we get on our knees and that we pray for family members and we pray for co-workers and we pray for people in our neighborhood that they would come, that they would be able to understand the depth of His grace and His mercy. That this is something that we should actively and consistently be praying for. And we should pray for all types of people. Now it says in verse 4, In the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What Paul is meaning by saying all people is not universalism. He's not saying that God desires that every single person be converted because we know, well, let me take a step back. That in one hand and in one sense, the Bible tells us, that God longs for all to come to Him. But we also know, according to Scripture, on the other hand, that not everyone gives their life to Him. And so Paul is saying that we should be praying for people to come to faith. But in particular, when he says all people, he is saying every single kind of person. We should be praying for Jews. And we should be praying for Gentiles. We should be praying for the rich. We should be praying for the poor. We should be praying for the self-righteous. We should be praying for those who think that they will never measure up. That they are beyond the reach of God. We pray for all to know Jesus as their Savior. We pray that they will come to Him. 
And so what we learn from 2 Timothy, excuse me, from 1 Timothy chapter 2 is the importance of prayer in the life of the church, the importance of prayer in the life of the Christian, and how our prayers should be concerned with those that do not know Jesus Christ. And so as I think about this, as I think about Paul's admonition in verses 2, 3, and 4, to pray for peace, to pray for others, to pray that they would know Jesus, it reminds me of Jesus Himself. That as we have talked about praying as a church family, as we have talked this morning about praying as individuals and the significance and the meaning and the power and everything that revolves around Christian prayer, it reminds me that right now, at this moment, Jesus is praying for me. That I am one of those all types of people. That I was a self-righteous individual who thought he had it all together, that thought my performance was good enough in the sight of God. That I am one of those type of people that Jesus gave His life for. That He looked at my sin and He took my punishment and that He placed His love on me, that I had nothing to do with any of it, that I was running from Him in rebellion, that I was dead in my sins, and He came to me, and He gave me everything. He brought me to life. He redeemed me. And now, even as I talk about how to pray, and when we should pray, and why we should pray, my God, my Redeemer, my Messiah, my older brother, the one who loved me is right now praying for me as the High Priest of Heaven. May that be an encouragement to you this morning as you seek to come before Him in prayer. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, You are good and You are worthy of all adoration and glory and praise. Thank You for saving me. Thank You for redeeming us. Thank You for giving Your life for sin. Thank You for interceding for us in the throne room of heaven. You are incredible and You are awesome. And it's in Your name we pray. Amen.